This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome as we edge closer to the big Canada 150 weekend. Let's take the pulse of where we're at, what we think, how satisfied we are with our lives, especially in comparison to how we see our neighbors to the South. A recent poll by the Environics Institute says most Canadians think we are an island of stability in a world of political discontent and populace, populism, and we trust our democracy and our democratic institutions. At the same time, Pew Research, which is a major research institute in the United States, says fewer Canadians have a positive view of the United States, and there's been a huge, a huge drop in the number of Canadians who believe that Donald Trump will do the right thing on the world stage. We're going to parse those numbers in a minute. But I'd really like to know if our listeners share those views. So the numbers to call... 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Right now, Michael Adams, the president of the Environics Institute, joins me in the studio. Michael, thanks so much for joining us. Great to be here in Liberty Village. Okay, yes. Let's drill down on some of those numbers. So uh, Canadians believe that we're an island of stability. We have confidence in our institutions. What about the right-left breakdown of Canadians? What's happened to that in the last few years? Well, you know why a Canadian crosses the road, Libby, (laughs) to get to the middle. (laughs) So most of us actually don't choose left or right. So about, you know, uh, about 15% would say they're on the left, whatever they mean by that. Um, And about, I guess it's nearly up 22%, uh, say they're on the right. But everybody else is stuck in the middle with you. <laughs> That's I find that really interesting because uh, if you look at uh, our politics, uh, mm-hmm. we certainly seem to be moving to the left. Uh, we see in a number of provinces, no, notably Ontario, where the liberals who are in the middle seem to be governing from the left. Mm-hmm. Same thing in British Columbia uh, and uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, who was certainly more left than Stephen Harper, uh, seems to have really good approval ratings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most Canadians are in the middle. They're pragmatic. Um, you know, you, you look at what we've done. We've given ourselves universal health care. Uh, We have a pretty good social safety net in Canada. And, you know, unlike any other uh, settler country in the world, we embrace multiculturalism. And this isn't just the left, the NDP and and the liberals uh, who are in the center, but it's it's on the right as well. Stephen Harper uh, could have, I guess, if he'd followed the way that right-wing parties are in the U.S. and in Europe, 
uh, could be a, a xenophobic populist. He could be uh, trying to make political points. And throughout his tenure in office, he had Jason Kenney out there reaching out to multicultural that, communities. Those were his key constituencies. They were, the, they were what gave him his majority in uh, 2011. So you, you can't, when you've got 20% foreign born and another 20% are their kids, you've got 40%. 80% of those people become citizens. And after they get a job and put their kids in school, they join a political party. And some of them actually get nominated. And a lot of them get elected. We have 44 foreign-born members of parliament. It's an astounding proportion. We have four cabinet ministers who are Sikhs. That's right. So, I mean, we have done something that Europe has not been able to do. The foreign-born that are in Congress in the United States tend to be military guys whose parents were stationed you know, in a foreign base somewhere, yeah. or in the case of Ted Cruz, our gift to the American <laughs> political system, uh, was born in Calgary, Alberta. To, as long uh, as they don't re-gift us. Uh, well, whatever. Actually, I'm a, a, a trade for the, the Trump Tower for the Statue of Liberty to me is a no-brainer. And, of course, it should be right here in Liberty Village on Jefferson Avenue would be a perfect thing to do. But Okay, okay. so here's one that, that has me a little flummoxed. Uh, since 2014, pride in being Canadian has strengthened among younger Canadians, declining among those 60-plus. That doesn't look right to me, I have to say. Well, um, you know, you've got to... First of all, you have to understand that Quebec is not as proud to be Canadian. They're proud to be Quebecer and Canadian, with Quebecer being first. Okay. Um, why would... I think any pride that people feel in being Canadian is, wow, we've dodged a bullet. You know, we're not Europe. Uh, we don't have uh, the kind of right-wing parties, the xenophobic nationalist parties that you get in Europe. Uh, we're not voting uh, Brexit, which is to pull away from international trading agreements. And then, of course, we're sitting here, some of us maybe on the top of the CN Tower, looking down at this incredible country to the south, which we both admire um, and and which also kind of horrifies us every once in a while. And I think a lot of us are looking at the United States and saying, oh, my God, what is going on in the U.S. and how could they ever have voted for Trump? Polling done at the time of the election in the U.S. asked Canadians how they would vote. And Trump came after the Green candidate in preferences by Canadians. Even the majority of Canadian conservatives would have voted for Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump. Okay, I, uh, before we get to the phones, because I know um, listeners have their opinions and uh, we're going to take uh, your calls in a moment, I just want to drill down on a few of those numbers. So uh, the overall uh, favorability of the United States has dropped below 50% uh, for the first time in a long time. Right. It's 43%. And, and here's, here's a huge number. So um, this is from Pew. And uh, the question is, confidence in the U.S. president to do the right thing regarding world affairs. Under Obama, that was 83%. Under Trump, 22% a drop of, uh, I'm, I'm the drop of 61%. Wow. Well, they, that 22% maybe think that if we renegotiate NAFTA, we can get rid of marketing boards and maybe then afford to buy a quart of milk. 
or get our beef cheaper or or whatever. Um, I think people people watched the Americans go through. They just couldn't believe that they were going to nominate Donald Trump. They just, and, you know, a lot of us were watching it and watching uh, Hillary Clinton, and we, we had a pretty positive view, a more positive view of Hillary Clinton than Americans did, obviously. Ob- obviously, <laughs> but I, I have to tell you, when I listener when I listen to our callers here, our listeners here, it, it's not that black and white. A lot of people uh, like Donald Trump and mm. continue to like Donald Trump. So I, I don't know if we have those 20%, but uh, let's go to the phones. Uh, we've got Bill in Toronto. Hi, Bill. Hi. Did I hear the term a settler country used? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, you did from Michael, well, not from me. Like then you know what? They should be thanking the settlers for what we've done to this country, for what a great country we've made it. It's got nothing to do with the politicians. You're worried about Trump. You should be worried about Trudeau. You know, I'm not sure who your guest is, but that liberal superiority. And every time I hear them go on about Toronto being a world-class city, we're a country and a city with an inferiority complex. You want That's true. I, I d- I'd agree with that. <laughs> that yeah, we've or or have had anyway. Really, you got to look. You got to look a lot further. If that's as short sighted as you are, Donald Trump is there for a reason. He's there because they're fed up with the liberal left wing garbage they've been getting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm not sure who he is. Well, he's he is a very eminent pollster. He's been a pollster for many, many years. And, uh, uh, you know, I, as I said, I'm not sure that many of our listeners agree with this, but but I would certainly never doubt uh, Michael Adams' numbers. But, Bill, thank you for your call. I'm going to give Michael a chance to respond now, but we definitely hear you. Thanks. Go ahead, Michael. Well, in the research that we've done in the United States, and we've been doing research there for 25, 30 years and tracking social values there, uh, the strongest values of Trump supporters were parochialism, xenophobia, that is, they don't like the other very much, uh, sexism, they don't really like feminism, um, and, and racism. So essentially there were Americans who were deeply upset that a black person became president of the United States and then there were and then that happened and then the next thing that comes along is that a woman is going to be president of the United States and that for again a considerable number of people again those who think that the father of the family should be the master in the house and don't believe in gender equality uh, they just found that this would be the second insult in the in a in a row well, so he, it was he, a very it was a negative vote against what you know the previous caller said uh, was liberal progressivism in the United States you know uh, i i have to say you know when i talk about when i hear people who are liberals you know sometimes i think there's a bit of an echo chamber, and and I think it's it's probably not fair to tar all these people with these things. There are people who are deeply disappointed and angry because they're losing ground in mm-hmm. the United States. I I know there are people, um, and, and these are people who are less educated who are saying they they might not like everything that he's doing, but they say he's going to be on our side. He's mm-hmm. he's gonna he's gonna let us regain, and it was a positive slogan: "Make America Great Again." And I mean, 
by the looks of it, if if the Republicans have their way on health care, uh, millions and millions of those people are going to be cut off health care uh, as their reward. But but I I think that it it's it's unfair uh, to kind of taint them all with with all these nasty isms. Well, um of course, we don't ask people if they're, yeah. if they're racist. Right. We don't ask people if they're sexists. We ask them what do they be, what what do they believe in terms of should. Well, one of the measures that we've been asking since 1983 is, is uh, responding to the statement: the father of the family must be master in his own home. So, just to give you an, a Canada-U.S. comparison. In the latest cycle, in 2016, 50% of Americans said the father of the family must be master in his own home. The equivalent number for Canada is 23%. Okay, so it's a, and the structure of authority in the family is that's the fundamental institution we most of us start out with, and it's a model that then applies to the workplace, to the po- political marketplace, to uh, consumption, and so on. So the two countries have diverged dramatically uh, in social values since we actually negotiated a free trade agreement with them in 1988. Okay, uh, let's get to the phones. We've got Patrick and Whitby. Hi, Patrick. Yes, hello. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm terrific. You're on the air. Go ahead. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but I'm 66, and I think that Canada is the best place on earth to live. Why are you sorry to say it? I know we apologize a lot, but still. Uh, because your demographic that said that uh, uh, Canada is not so great, uh, I, I'm not too sure how to phrase it, but I grew up in the States. Uh, I was born in Canada, but I spent 15 year, my first 15 years growing up in the States and three times that living in Canada. And I would rather live in no other place than here. Uh, because I grew up down, down there, I got to live through McCarthyism uh, all the way up to uh, the Bay of Pigs and uh, uh, the Missile Crisis and Nixon, not to forget him. Um, And I am truly, truly saddened by what's happening down in the States right now. Uh, I, I feel for them, my Facebook friends that are down there. Uh, all agree they they want to move to Canada and uh, et cetera. You know, it's but. interesting. People say that, you know, it, it, if Trump is elected or if this and that happens, they're going to move to Canada. But I don't think it's it's something they say. It's not something that, oh, that people do. I agree to that. Uh, it's just something they say out of frustration yeah. that uh, things are not going well down there. And it makes a good headline. Patrick, thanks very much for your call. You're welcome. Okay, uh, let's go to uh, Mike in Brampton. Hi, Mike. Hey, how are you? Fine, how are you? Good, thank you. Okay, I just want to say that uh, Canada is the most wonderful country in the world. I really love this country. Yep. The only thing I don't really see right here now is why is Trudeau forgetting about the old people, the Aboriginals, the Quebec people that came here some 500 years ago? He's putting a lot of others in front of them all. Well, I, I would disagree with that. He talks a lot about uh, reconciliation with the aboriginals, and he says that there's no bigger priority, and he's made that 
a key theme. I mean, I don't know how well it's it's working, but but he definitely has has put that as a big priority. But I, I really believe that he's a big fat liar. I, I don't really believe in him. Well, there you go. Yeah, that's that. That's an that's another story. Um, yeah. It's it's interesting, um, Mike. Um, one of the things in the Environics poll, and I'm going to ask uh, the other Mike, Michael Adams, about this, uh, is uh, trust in the institution of the prime minister has gone up it under has gone up. Yeah. under mm-hmm. Justin Trudeau. Can you explain that, Mike? Thanks for your call. Uh, can you explain that? Well, it's probably that? a honeymoon phase, you yeah. know. Uh, Stephen Harper had been in for 10 years. We kind of got tired of him. Right. Uh, the campaign also soured a number of people, certainly uh, people who'd come from another part of the world with these, you know, with that um, silly idea of a snitch line on barbaric cultural practices and so on. So he, he kind of went against some of the things that were more inclusive about him. So people were kind of tired of Stephen Harper and, of course, the Sunnyways uh, son of Pierre Elliott Trudeau as someone, I guess, is in his honeymoon period. The polling now is showing, however, that uh, their, the liberal lead over the conservatives is not that great. And Probably a lot of people won't make up their mind until the next election when they look at the conservative platform. There's a new leader there. The new Democrats will have a new platform and a, and a new, new leader. New leader, yes. Uh, so, you know, we're – and we're kind of a, a volatile bunch of people. I mean we can, we can vote for a party and then the next election the party gets two seats like we saw the end of the progressive conservatives oh, in 1993. I was, I was there for that. I right. remember that, that very clearly. Very but dramatic I, I, change. Yeah. I, I think that one of the things – I mean you talk about most of us being in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think one of the reasons for that is uh, – I don't know if it's true anymore, but there was a time when basically both those parties were right in the middle. So, yeah, yeah. you know, one of them gets too comfortable and it's time to throw them out and there's not a huge difference. I'm not sure that's quite true anymore. Well, and we'll have to have a look. on, on Again, on the, on the issue of inclusion, of, of multiculturalism, of embracing diversity as a strength and not a weakness in the country – all political parties embrace those ideas. Now, every once in a while, someone will speak up and uh, against that. But over time, we do move back into the center, and we are an, an inclusive thing. So you would never get uh, a party saying, okay, we're not going to let Muslims come to our country again. It's just it's inconceivable we would take a stance like that. Or that we would say things about Mexicans that Trump has said about Mexicans and so on. So we, we tend to be I guess a lot of people would say we tend to be politically correct, but the political system forces us to be politically correct, to be more civil in our discourse with each other people. I think that there's Um, definitely a line between civil in our discourse and the kind of overweening political correctness that we sometimes see here. I mean, for me, that's a problem. Let's Mm -hmm. go to Al in Brantford. Hi, Al. Hi. This is for our uh, pollster there. Okay. I, I think if you were to look down in the States, the Obama administration was like because it did nothing really to rock the boat in the world scene for the whole time he was there. And that's why both the left and the right were after uh, uh, Trump. And Clinton, I, I was just down there for two weeks, or down there two weeks ago for four days, and we were talking about that. And it, with Clinton, it wasn't, it was her corruption. They figured she was even worse than Bill for corrupt. She was smarter. Mm-hmm. And if you do remember back to the Mulroney days, when Mulroney got caught with his polling company, they were polling people within the Conservative Party, or registered members. Does anybody remember that one? Uh, I remember the Orlicon scandal with, with Mulroney, but I, I don't know what you're 
referring there, there to? Was, there was a poll done for one of the elections, and the pollster company working for Mulroney, either the before the second election or the first, I guess it was the second election when he lost, mm-hmm. and they had polled registered conservative party members. Uh, so I, I kind of lost my faith in the questions that the polling companies are going to be asking unless I'm almost standing there. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Well, you Thank you. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Uh, M- Michael? Uh, yeah, I I don't – I mean what the gentleman said, I, I think uh, there was definitely a concern among some people and obviously we saw with the FBI – uh, director saying, right. you know, he was wonder, wondering what we're on. Uh, we're going to continue to look at uh, what was on uh, Hillary Clinton's server. That probably didn't do her any good. I mean, the the, the woman actually got three million more votes than, yeah, than the other guy. Yeah, it's just the electoral uh, college The electoral, thing. I mean, you know, the, a state like uh, Wyoming, uh, we've got two senators and one congressman. Uh, and uh, you and. And California has two senators. So, uh, you know, they, they, they've got a system that terribly skews to uh, very low population centers. Of course, they've got gerrymandering in, in their uh, congressional yeah. districts, money in politics. You can, you can put any amount of money in politics. You can support, uh, you know, um, uh, a- agencies that are acting uh, on behalf of candidates, but you can't give the money to the candidates, so there's big money. The, the differences between the Canadian and the American political systems are so astounding that you'd think that they were different kinds of democracies. Okay, I'm going to take one more call. Uh, very quickly, though, Joffrey and Scarborough, hi. Hello, Libby. Good afternoon. Thank you for being there. You always bring wonderful shows and subjects to us. Thank oh, you. Th- <laughs> thank you. Appreciate and that. But welcome, but we need your comment welcome quickly. To, <laughs> welcome to your guests. Thank uh, you. I've, I've been a Canadian uh, over 40 years. And uh, Canada is one of the best places uh, to live in the world. Leave it where it is. Give Mr. Trudeau a chance. He will show you that. In reference to Trump the bump, he never thought he was going to be there. He was arrogant enough to, to, to run. And now he's there. He doesn't know what to do. And he's still trying to bully the world as he used to. And he's making a mess of things. But the thing, Libby, is that I believe that what he does, the mistakes he makes, does trickle down to us in Canada, and it's unfortunate. Uh, That is uh, certainly true. Uh, Joffrey, thanks so much for your call. Appreciate it. Thanks for the compliments. Uh, We're basically out of time in this segment. Uh, Michael, I know you're saying that we're doing well here, but Canadians can't be complacent about... uh, not getting our own Donald well, Libby, Trump. you know, um, we, you know, that financial crisis that happened in the states, where and where it ended up with one in four houses were underwater. That is, they borrowed more money against their house than the house was worth. We had nothing like that. We were, um, our, you know, the banks who we love to hate actually were pretty stable institutions. The Canadians are doing better. They're wealthier than they've ever been. They're happier. They're proud to be Canadian. Um, so, you know, we find ourselves in a, a relatively good position. We're also a place where we can have people from around the world come here get their kids in school, and the kids do really well in school. Uh, The people who come here 
get jobs and work very hard in this country, and they actually get involved in civic life and become members of parliament and so on. So either by luck, part of the luck is, of course, is that you know we're not uh, juxtaposed against a third world country. We're juxtaposed against the United States. We have luck, we have good institutions, and we've figured out ways of compromising, going halfway with the other French, English, Catholic, Protestant, multiculturalism, diversity, however it's defined. And uh, but you know, a terrorist attack here in Canada, a terrible slump in our economy. Uh, there could be a rise of a charismatic uh, leader who is preaching xenophobic nationalism. Who knows what could happen here? So you know, we're very good at looking at the past, uh, predicting the future. You know, is we're, we're not as good at that. Okay. Michael Adams, thanks so much. Uh, You are the author of a forthcoming book, Could It Happen Here? And I hope you'll come back uh, when the book is out, if not before. Thanks so much. Love to. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.